the stream is not flowing into your pond and now you have to live off that money and learn how to distribute that money, it's a different game plan. You can't count on the same ways that you thought was successful. That was the first half. Now you're in the second half. You need to make a, a change on how you look at retirement and how you distribute money. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Well, we're getting closer and closer to the election of 2020. And, you know, a lot of people are looking at these these platforms and the candidates closely and what is it going to mean for your finances and for your financial planning and really specifically taxes. And so we're going to get a, a thought off from Mike on Trump's uh, proposal to reduce capital tax gains. But from there, we're going to talk a, a bigger conversation on the way Americans save. And I think this is a really interesting study and a report that was done by Vanguard. They really dove into you know the, the contribution plans that, that everybody uses, 401ks, 403bs, to really kind of get an idea and a sense of how Americans are saving. So this would be a good opportunity for you to kind of get a sense of where you stand uh, compared to the average. You know, you don't ever really need to compare yourself with other people, but it's a good opportunity just to get a feel for what other Americans are doing and how that compares to how you are saving for retirement. So we do that as always with Mike Coynan, founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services. Welcome in, Mike. Good to talk to you again. Yeah. Good morning, Ben. Got a lot to dive into today. I think this this study is pretty interesting, and I think we can maybe pull out some pretty good nuggets for people to to get on. And we're going to get into that in a second. But I want to get your thoughts on on Trump and his uh, capital gain tax cut. And you know, we, there's a lot of different tax proposals out there from both candidates. And you know, maybe we'll talk about those a little bit deeper as we get close to this election. Maybe after when we have you know a new president elected, whether new or or Trump, whatever it is. But I'm specifically interested in this capital gains tax. And I'm, I'm curious if a if you've been talking to this talking to clients about this at all, but just in general, you know, is this a good idea or is it helpful for people to reduce the capital gains tax? Well, we're always uh, inviting uh, lower taxes any way we can look at it, right? So, um, you know, we don't really talk and speculate about what's going to happen because there's a, there's been talk about a lot of this, this for years uh, about certain, you know, taxes. And so we'll worry about it when it gets there, but right now, Capital gains, it would it would definitely benefit if we can um, reduce that that capital gains tax or eliminate it altogether. All but you know, just understanding what you know, capital gains. I think majority of people's retirement savings are in traditional type like IRA, four hundred one ks, qualified accounts. Uh, but this will be money that you'd be investing outside of IRAs. And you just say you you bought some stock in in Amazon. Let's pick on Amazon and. Uh, boy, wouldn't that have been great if you bought Amazon stock 15, 20 years ago, right? Um, even five years ago, you'd be uh, doing pretty well. But when we look at short-term capital gains and we look at long-term capital gains, uh, short-term capital gains is if you held that investment, that stock for less than a year. Any gain on that will be just taxed as your regular tax, you know, your, your tax bracket you're at, whether you're at the 10, 12, um, you know, 22, 24, whatever tax bracket you're at, if it's short term, less than a year. Uh, but long term capital gains have a, a more convenient, uh, a better tax bracket. I don't think they're outrageous uh, brackets. If you held it for a year and a day, well, then you're subject to some pretty reasonable ones. Most people are paying only 15% capital gains tax, which means you only pay the taxes on the gains of what you've made on that investment. What I don't think a lot of people understand that is 
if you're a single individual and, and roughly if your adjusted gross income is under $40,000 and you sell some investments uh, with, with the gains included, you're, uh, you won't pay any capital gains. If you sell, and that's why it's strategic about selling some of those if it's a long-term capital gain or if you're married filing jointly and your your adjusted gross income is under eighty, and you're, you're selling off some, some shares and you stay under that $80,000 of adjusted gross income, you don't pay long-term capital gains as well. If you're above that, you're paying 15% on those. So anything helps. We encourage tax breaks for any individuals because it's not just for the wealthy this is for middle america as well we find a lot of our clients people who have you know just you know we say the average kind of total assets we see on on a regular basis have some non-qualified accounts that they've invested in or they've inherited over time and anything that would uh, save them some money or maybe they have some company stock that i just had this conversation last night at our social security event where he has some stock through his company he retired from and he says his cost basis was so low on this company stock because he bought it years and years ago when the company was fairly new but now it's worth 30 times that price hmm. <laughs> and so he's like i gotta pay a lot of capital gains taxes it come in we'll, we'll figure it out you might not have to pay anything if we strategically do it so but any reduction we're we're, uh, we're welcoming that that's great Sorry, it's a long-winded answer no, there, Ben. No, that's good. And I think uh, you know it's helpful for people that, that see this and, okay, what does this exactly mean for me? And so I think it's helpful to talk about these things. And we'll talk about them more as uh, the election comes and, and, and we find out who's going to take that office. And you know these, these new proposals are out there. We will try to talk and, and inform you on what this exactly means for you. I think that's the most helpful part. But again, you can find a lot of information online at principalpreservationservices.com. You can listen to all of our past episodes there too. So go back and and look through some of the topics we've discussed that maybe you're interested in or maybe affect you specifically, and uh, hopefully it'll get you some more information. But always, you can reach out to Mike and his team directly at 855-987-8888. So let's talk now about this Vanguard report from How America Saves 2020. It's got a lot of stats and findings and a lot of data, and we'll try to put this in the show notes. So if you really want to dig into it further, you can do that. But this basically looks at the data from 2019 into the spring of 2020. So maybe really the craziness of the pandemic isn't factored in as much here, but it gives you a good idea of kind of the normal savings behaviors of Americans. So, you know, data right now shows that defined contribution plans, which we're talking about here, 401ks, 403bs, et cetera, are now used by more than 100 million Americans and their assets are in excess of 8.8 trillion, which sounds like a whole lot. What about your clients, Mike? Is this these defined contribution plans really the centerpiece of, of most retirement plans you see? They are. Uh, pre, I would say uh, 65 and, and younger, for the most part, have majority of their assets are tied up in these 401ks and some 403bs, some 457s as well, But um, which is you know through the government, typically through a, a government plan. But we do see that. And when you think about it, you know, there's, what, 340 million Americans and 100 million Americans have a 401k or, or something similar. Uh, that's crazy because uh, you know I, I assume that the adults are probably in that um, you know at 150 million adults. So um, to see that is is uh, it's not surprising, but it is surprising that people are leaving their money there. I guess as well. So uh, and we'll get we'll kind of get into some more of this report, but I. I see this a lot. We see majority of people have that money in 401ks, and we have to educate them about what's the ramifications if you hold on to that. Well, let's talk about some of the stats from these accounts then, since you know pretty much this affects 
really everybody can get a, some interest in this and get some information out of it. So let me get your reaction to these these two stats, Mike. Let's, first off, only 15% of plan participants use the catch-up contributions when they're offered. Yeah, I'm not surprised uh, about that. Most people are not maximizing their 401k, 403b contributions. If you're under 50 years old, uh, you could put that uh, $19,500 into your 401k, which we're finding a lot of people aren't doing that as well. But when you're over 50, the catch-up is additional 6,500, which gives you a maximum yearly contribution of 26,000 uh, a year. So um, that's where you can really make some aggressive contributions those last you know, five, 10, 15 years uh, prior to retirement to make some really good gains on that. So we, we do encourage that. Now I do have, uh, I would say this number is pretty accurate. It's 15% okay. about one in seven people roughly that, that have 401ks are maximizing that. We see people who are doing that and uh, they have a certain amount coming out of their paycheck and sometimes they have too much because by the time they get to October, November, they have to stop it because they max their contribution out for the year. Okay. But it's very important. What about this one? One in five of the plan participants use Roth or some sort of after-tax option. That is uh, not surprising as well. I think most plan participants uh, uh, don't understand if even if Roth is offered. And you know sometimes Roth was offered five years ago, eight years ago, whatever it might have been. And I think the employers, uh, HR has done a very poor job at educating the employees about what their offerings are. And I think that's one of my biggest regrets for my, my clients, which they said, I wish I would have known I could have done Roth. I wish I, they would have told me the benefits of doing a Roth. I would have looked more into it. But a lot of people haven't been putting Roth or now they just finally discovered in the last maybe year or three years. And yeah, they're doing some Roth, but is it going to be beneficial enough because they're not going to build up that, that level of portfolio large enough like they want it to. But it's still important to have Roth. I think it's great to have a different mixture of uh, different type of retirement accounts. But again, this is not surprising. And I think that's at the hands of the employers and the HR department not informing uh, the employees of their options. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, you know, you talk about you know, employers, matching's a big part of this too. And here are some stats on matching because I'm, you know, you would expect and you would hope that everybody's taking advantage of their matching. But in 2019, one in three of plan participants did not contribute enough to meet their employer's match amount. 18% matched it exactly, but didn't contribute anything beyond that match. And then 48% actually contributed more than the employer match. Is there ever a reason for that 34% that did not at least meet their employer match to be the case? Yeah, and I think a lot of that is just people have just been not educated on what they're missing out. Um, and again, I, I think this is, you know, the training or the helping people understand what they're missing out because, you know, if you're at a company and they, some companies are still matching, you know, 5%, some are higher. But, you know, if you're only putting in 3%, you're only getting a 3% match. <laughs> and But if you up your contributions, let's say you make $50,000 a year, and you put an extra 2%, which is only a, an extra $1,000 a year, less than $100 a month, you're getting another $1,000 a year from your employer. So you can that $2,000 makes a big difference long-term when we're talking about ex, your, um, your retirement being out maybe 25 years or 35 years or whenever that is. So you have to, and I, and I see that sometimes when people come in and we figure what their match is, or people aren't even contributing at all to the retirement plan, I go, you need to take advantage of this free money. Um, this is going to help you compound your money. 
And um, so it, it's frustrating to see that. But it's nice to see about a third of them at least are are putting uh, – well, actually about half are contributing more than the match. I think the older we get – and my clientele base was over 95% or over 50 years old. They're in that position where they are – contributing well well above that match and that's what you really didn't need to do uh you have to start small when you can at least do something you just to get it started put enough to get the match but as you get raises over the years you want to keep increasing the contributions as you get a raise take half that raise or a third of that raise and put it back into your your 401k contributions so you're, you're getting a little bit more on your paycheck but you're not really missing out because more money is going into your your retirement as well and uh, that's the best way to do it so go above and beyond if you can, but definitely want to hit that match. I mean, don't don't want to leave that on the table if you can help it. Uh, this is a very interesting takeaway from the study too. And they looked at the actual, the average rate of returns over the past uh, four or five years because we got a, we got a pretty good sense of the ups and downs of the markets. We've already seen it this year in 2020 how how it can fluctuate so much. But 2015 the re, the average rate of return was negative 04 percent. 2016, it was up to 8.3%. 2017, 18% return. Uh, 2018, back to in the negative, negative 5.3. And then last year, 19, really good year again, 22.4%. Uh, is this a, just a really good idea and indication of how the market is going to move year to year? Yeah, and I think a lot of people um, are investing in investments they don't even really know. So, I mean, getting back to, I mean, part of the report, it shows there's, on average, there's 17.4 allocations you can choose from, but most people are only utilizing 2.4 of them on average. That's the number. So obviously you can't be 2.4, but two to three of those allocations. And most people are, are investing in allocations they don't understand. They're just winging it. You know, it's, I talk about this as water, you know, the, the cafeteria room talk or at the water fountain that you talk to Billy or you talk to Bob or you talk to Sarah and they say, what are you investing in? My portfolio is not doing that great. And they said, oh, we had a good year. This is what I'm in. So, oh, I'm going to go and change my allocations to what you're doing. But there's very little research being done on a lot of these allocation options. So it's not surprising in the fact because to get these rate returns, they they look very similar to actually what the S&P performed. These numbers that you just, you know, which means you're at an aggressive risk tolerance, and most people don't know they're at an aggressive risk tolerance. Some people think they're moderate. And when we actually do risk scores for them with all their investments, we find out they're a lot more higher risk than they intended. Another also benefit to this as well, when you're looking at the rate returns are not bad in here. They're actually, they're fairly decent because we just came off a 10-year bull run. Um, you also get, when you're working, you get dollar cost averaging. And that's to your benefit. So when you want to compare an IRA that you have, you know, maybe at a 401k from a previous employer, you rolled it to an IRA and it's kind of just been sitting and riding the market, uh, but you're not contributing anymore. But the difference is when you have a 401k and a 403b and you're making contributions and your employer is matching as well, you get dollar cost averaging, which is going to benefit you more in that account than it would be the account that's not being contributed to. Because in the 401k, you're buying investments when it's low, you're buying investments when it's middle, you're buying investments when, they're high, when the market's higher, but you're always getting um, a, a true balance of that, that value in, in, of those, um, those investments. And it's going to perform better than it would the same risk score in the account that's not being contributed to. But I mean, these are good scores. What it's, it's, when my, my eyes are looking at, this is more of an uh, aggressive type holding. And again, most people don't understand the risk tolerance they're actually in. 
And I think also you can kind of probably tell too that this is a good reason why when you're investing in these accounts, you're investing it for the long term, right? I mean, you don't, you're probably not paying attention to these returns necessarily year to year because you're looking big picture. And as a lot of people are, they're so busy with work and, and home life and, and family. A lot of people haven't had the time to even look at the allocation options or really do a true research into that. So we find most people in their working years choose some investments, kind of set it and forget it, kind of the whole Ronco mentality. Uh, you know, the kind of uh, those telecommercials, that, that's how they treat their 401ks. But when you get to retirement, you, you can have that same mentality for sure. All right, let's talk about what happens to these accounts when people leave their employer. This happens all the time, but you know it's pretty common for people to leave those funds behind. 80% of participants who have been terminated still have their assets with the prior employer, but it actually means that 96% of all available assets uh, that are available to distribute or roll over are still sitting inside those defined uh, contribution plans. So what would be the impact of that, Mike, if they if a lot more of those 96% of those assets were moved out of there and made their way into an IRA or Roth IRA? Yeah, that's uh, we're not a, uh, a big fan of leaving those assets with your employer sponsor plans. And actually, we encourage people, even when you're 59 and a half, to take more control over those monies because like uh, the report shows only there's usually about 17 to 18 allocation options and you might not be happy with any of them. Your employer chose those allocations, you didn't. And that's what you're limited to. Uh, So that's an issue in itself, but there's different rules when it comes to leaving your money in a 401k. So let's fast forward to retirement. And when you're 72 now, the new RMD age, if you have to take your required minimum distribution, if you have an IRA and maybe you have two IRAs and you have another 401k and you have this other 401k, say two IRAs and two 401ks, when it comes to taking your required minimum distribution, you have to take separate RMDs out of each 401ks. The IRAs lets you consolidate those balances and take your RMDs out of any of those accounts. But 401ks are very limited and we're not a fan of that for that reason. And also when you look at leaving your money behind to your beneficiaries, your children. If you were to pass and just say your spouse gets your your 401k, no harm, no foul, but if your children inherit the 401k, they have a five-year uh, distribution schedule. They have to get all that money out. So that could be a very big tax burden on the children because they have to take that money out over five years, as opposed to an IRA is now a 10-year uh, distribution schedule to, the, uh, to, to your children. But also, here's one last nugget, which I, I, it's important for people to know. We'd already talked about Roth and how important it is to have Roth in your 401ks. If you leave your, your traditional 401k and your Roth 401k with your previous employer, now you're 72, the IRS requires you to take your RMD based off your whole 401k balance, not just the traditional side. They're including the Roth 401k in that balance. So now you're paying, you're taking a, a a distribution on a money you already pay taxes on, which doesn't make sense. So that's why it's another important reason why you want to roll the 401ks into traditional, your Roth 401k into a Roth IRA, uh, your traditional into a a traditional IRA and the Roth 401k to a Roth (laughs) uh, IRA, uh, just so you don't have that that issue. A lot of people don't understand that, but it's a real situation. Employer-sponsored plans are meant to be there while you're working and utilize that, take advantage of that free money for that you know dollar cost averaging and the employer matching because there's no more pensions anymore. It's not meant for long-term holdings of those accounts. There's millions of different investments outside of a, a 401k. Take advantage of that. 
And that's something you help clients out with too, right, Mike? I mean, if they get confused by, I don't know how to move this or change this, that's something you actually work with clients on. We do that. And we have to, we, we educate them exactly at what I was just telling you about more detail about why it's beneficial to have IRAs in retirement over uh, 401ks, 403bs, 457s, because they give you more flexibility on how you take your money out when it's time to distribute it. Uh, gotcha. Growing your growing your money prior to fifty nine and a half, and uh, while working is important to keep that money in there and growing, but as you get close to retirement, there's there's different ways. I always refer this back to football. I might have mentioned this before, but I'm obviously NFL season's here. I love the NFL. Um, not you know I know there's a lot of <laughs> um, you know I just love the sport. I'm not into the politics part of it, but uh, what's going on right now? But when it comes to a success having a successful season and really winning games we we see coaches come and go but we see coaches that have been there for the test of time and what you know let's look at the patriots where a lot of people don't like i really do like to see winners out there because what makes you successful you know you might have a successful first and second quarter but you go into halftime that's when you have to make adjustments and if you did the same thing you did in the first two quarters, coming out in the third quarter and fourth quarter, you're probably not going to win the game because the other team is making adjustments as well. And you have a different plan of attack uh, to be successful to actually win the game. And I look at that as retirement. When you're working and you're making your con- contributions into your 401k, 403b, and getting those employer-sponsored, you know, those matches, and you're getting dollar-cost averaging, that was great. And it's easy to see your accounts grow like these numbers you just gave me. These average returns are great. But now when you're not contributing anymore, that dam is shut off. You know, the street you know, is, is dammed up, I should say. The stream is not flowing into your pond. And now you have to live off that money and learn how to distribute that money. It's a different game plan. You can't count on the same same ways that you thought was successful. That was the first half. Now you're in the second half. You need to make a, a change on how you look at retirement and how you distribute money. All right, let's look at one more from this Vanguard study before we close it up. 76% of participants were deemed to have balanced strategies, which seems like a, a very good number of people. Uh, is that the case when you meet with people typically, Mike? I mean, I guess it just depends on what your definition of balanced is. Yeah, I think a lot of those we're talking about, like these uh, retirement date plants. You know, we see a 2020, you know, Fidelity has theirs. Everybody has their target date plans. And, you know, so you get a 2020 plan, a 2025, 2030, whatever it might be. Those are the dates that you expect to retire. And I think the, you know, misconception on those, you know, people like, you know, this year even, they were in a 2020 plan and um, they said they're retiring. And they thought because that was the, the date, the year they plan on retiring, that their, their funds would actually be conservatively held or moderately conservative. And we're finding a lot of these 2020 plans are moderate to moderate aggressive. And so you're really uh, subject to the money manager and, and how they, they want that fund managed. And it might not be as conservative as you thought. And so some people took some bigger hits during the coronavirus in a 2020 plan than they thought because they thought it was going to be more conservative and to find out it wasn't. So I'm not a big fan of this target date funds because these funds don't make changes based off of market conditions and the economy. They make changes in that fund based off of the year you plan on retiring. And like I said, sometimes they're not as conservative as people think. Uh, but what happens over time, those target date funds, now let's just say you had a 2015 fund. Well, now that means you would have been retired five years ago. The further you get past or you get closer to retirement or past your retirement, 
majority of those funds are going to be eventually held into bonds and uh, less equities, which uh, which also is, is not that great because we know where bonds are going to go because interest rates have nowhere to go but up and bonds aren't going to perform well. So a lot of people aren't going to be excited holding majority of their money in bonds. Well, some very good information out of this. And Mike, thanks for breaking that down for us and giving us a better, some better context to what we're actually seeing here and some of these numbers and whether they're common and what you're seeing. But you know, if you want to dive into it, it's Vanguard's How America Saves 2020. Just a good way to get an idea of how the average American is doing in terms of putting money into their defined contribution plan. So we'll close it out on that note. Uh, thanks for listening to the Retirement Reality Podcast. Remember, you can subscribe. We have a new episode every single week, so please subscribe. But you can find every episode online at principalpreservationservices.com. Mike, thanks for the time today. Uh, some really good information. Yeah, thanks, Ben. It was uh, I get excited about talking about stuff like that. So uh, hopefully it helps people. I think it does. So we're looking forward to talking to you in the next episode and uh, have a good day. Take care. Thank you. Have a good day. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.